0: This is Shifting Our Schools, episode 52, When Parents Push Back on a One-to-One Program. Listen up, educators. Are you looking to take your classroom to the next level? The technological shift in education is happening right now. If you're looking to integrate technology into your classroom, you're in the right place. Welcome to Shifting Our Schools with your host, Jeff Udick. Welcome back to Shifting Our Schools. Thank you for downloading and tuning in this week. So glad to have you as a listener. And thank you for always for continuing to spread the word about shifting our schools with your teachers and your friends and your colleagues. We're in the process of lining out our summer, which is why the audio sounds a little different. I'm trying out my portable microphone, getting it all set up, and uh, it's the sound quality is just a little bit different on the portable one. But I really love this. This is a Zoom H2 that I'm recording on if it's something that interests you or you're looking for a great little mic for your classroom. Uh, I believe it's about $170 on Amazon, but a great little mic allows you to do all kinds of really cool things within it, saves to an SD card, so you can be a little more portable when I'm out of the studio. But uh, I just wanted to uh, say thank you uh, for listening, and if you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, uh, I think this would be a great time to do it. All you have to do is pick up your phone, and if it happens to be an iPhone, you can head over to iTunes And just search for Shifting Our Schools, and you should be able to subscribe right there. They'll auto-download every week. Uh, We release every Wednesday at noon, if you were wondering, and then you just have them. They're there on your phone for you when you're in the car or you're working out or wherever you listen to podcasts. Personally, I listen uh, in the car all the time to podcasts. I love podcasts. Such a great way to learn. Free professional development all the time on a variety of different topics. Uh, If you're an Android user like myself, I love my Pixel 2 XL, by the way. Uh, There are all kinds of apps you can install, but really what I like to use is just the built-in Google Play Music. And if you didn't know, Google Play Music added podcasting support about a year ago now, I think. And so you can go in there and then if you click on the menu, the pancake menu at the top, you'll go down to podcasts and you can then search for shifting our schools. Or if you search for shifting our schools and scroll down to podcast, you'll be able to uh, subscribe right there and you can subscribe to our channel or subscribe to the, the broadcast right there. And then every week they're just right on your phone and uh, your phone will let you know when there's a new episode. And the reason why I'm asking you to do that is because over the summer, you know, we are lining up, uh, we're going to continue to produce, uh, my goal is to get at least one full year of every week, uh, Trying to produce a podcast. And so over the summer, we're lining up this great conversation on one-to-one teaching. And if uh, you've been listening the last couple of weeks, you know that we are really excited about what's coming up. So from June to August, we'll be dedicating our shows here uh, to the one-to-one teacher and Ways that we can think about, as you head into next year, what that looks like. There are a list of topics I think teachers in one-to-one classrooms want to know about. Some of them have been given to you. Our listeners have, have given them to us. Uh, you can always email me at Jeff at com. That's E-D-U-R-O learning.com if you'd rather do that. Or you can leave a question or a comment over on the on the website, sospodcast.org. But we've also set up a chart Uh, at sospodcast.org slash 121, and that's one, the number one, T-O-1. If you go there, you can actually sign up. If you want to be part of the conversations, if you have questions, or if there's just, you want to bounce around some ideas, I would love to do that. And we just record it for everyone else. Um, So just know that that's coming up. So subscribe, be ready for, you know, some really good thought-provoking sessions over the summer as well that you can take with you uh, no matter where you're at or if you're driving kids around or you're sitting at a ball game like my parents used to do watching us play. Sometimes you just need to put in an earbud and, and get a little um, PD yourself over the summer. Also, don't forget that the Future Now conference in Seattle, June 27th, is coming up. We are so looking forward to this. The whole team's in town. Chrissy's going to be here. Kim's going to be here. Uh, Lissa's going to be here. All of us at Eduro Learning. Uh, we're putting the conference as part of our ret- Treat for the summer, which would be pretty cool. Uh, you can find out more about that at episode 48, where I t- go in depth about the conference. So if you scroll back to episode 48, a little more in depth on what the whole future is now conferences, but that is here in downtown Seattle. Beautiful scenery, beautiful conference center, uh, June 27th. It's not in a school because that's the last place the teacher wants to be at the end of the school year is back in a school, but it is a beautiful, beautiful place, and you can back it up to some time here in Seattle uh, if you'd like. It's, a, it's supposed to be a great week. Uh, not that we know what the weather is going to look like that far out, but uh, the last week of June is usually always always awesome. So uh, hopefully you can join us for that. And again, you can head over to uh, SOSpodcast.org. And at the top, you'll see a link to uh, The Future Is Now. It's just a link that says uh, TFIN for The Future Is Now Conference. And so we'd really like to have you join us for that. We're limiting it to about 100 people. Uh, it's not a big conference. Uh, this is about small conversations to really move schools forward. And really, that leads into this week's podcast. This wasn't one I was going to record. This wasn't one I had planned this week. But I'm getting more and more emails from schools. And I just got another one a couple of weeks ago from a school I've been working with for the last couple years. And it's not the only one. I actually went back into my inbox, and this last school year... I had six emails from different schools asking about what do we help me with parents? Help us with parents. We're getting pushback on our one-to-one program. Parents are frustrated that kids are watching Netflix on a school offered device. Uh, parents are upset that their kids are chatting, um, and we're getting pushback from parents. And we see this a lot when schools go one-to-one. Is Bringing along your community, especially your parent community, is really, really difficult. And it's usually about, you know, two, sometimes three years in that you actually get the most pushback because everything's kind of settled into a routine. Teachers are into routines. The school's kind of plugging along. The devices are not new to students anymore. And we start to look at how kids are actually using devices. And parents get frustrated when they feel like, that they don't have control over that device. And it's a real concern that schools, I think, need to pay attention to. So a couple of things that just... A couple of the emails that I've gotten uh, over the last couple of months or last year, last school year, I guess, is one is this pushback from parents. Um, the latest email I got was parents are upset because um, a, a couple of parents found that their kids were set up a chat group and they were using their school devices. Not at school, school devices at home to be in a little chat group. And uh, parents didn't like that. And that was pushback. I had another district um, who contacted me because – the parents were not setting a very good example on the district's Facebook page. And here we have parents who are, you know, supposed to be helping kids be good digital citizens and then turn around and are not using social networks appropriately themselves. And that's a huge concern for school districts as we know how much weight those comments on places like Facebook uh, or any other social media or even just on the Internet itself Uh, can really do to a school, damaging to a school. And so how do we help parents even set a good example? And sometimes that is where we need to start. And I think the big part is, is for better or for worse, and I'm not saying it's right. Please don't, please don't think that I'm saying that schools need to do more. But the problem is, is where we are right now, schools are in this really interesting place where we have to literally have to educate an entire population we have to educate parents, we have to educate teachers, and we have to educate kids. And for the first time, I think, in a really long time in education, that is our task. We're, it's not just the kids anymore. We've got a lot of people around students, especially when you give kids devices, and we know that technology is playing a larger and larger role in society at large. We have to engage everyone in those conversations. So I just wanted to go through some of the things that I talk about with school districts and some of the ways that I approach these conversations. And so the question really is, what is the role of a school district when you go one-to-one? And here are a couple things that I think we need to understand. And we have to start with conversations and we have to engage in conversations. You're not going to be able to have these conversations if you're too busy blocking stuff. You've got to be able to pull out of those day-to-day conversations and take a look at a bigger picture. So the first thing I I think that we really need to understand is how generations are different. The way my generation approaches something completely different than the generation that is in our schools. Uh, If you go back and listen to episode 46, and that, you know, go scroll through if you've subscribed to the podcast. If you go back to episode 46, I spent a whole episode talking about How do we teach a media first generation? And that's really one of the issues we're running into right now is that the generation in our schools is a media first generation and our schools are not. Society is, but our schools are not. So we need to understand the generation so that we can create a learning culture that fits that generation. If we continue to try to place our belief or our understanding, because when we went to school, it was totally different. I didn't even have computers in my classroom when I was in elementary school. And at minimum, you have two or three old clunkers in the back of the classroom, or you're one-to-one with a cart. You know, we've got the whole gamut right now. But we need to understand that kids are growing up differently, regardless of the technology you have in the classroom. We have to understand how they are growing up in society, what those social pressures are, and how does that affect how we relate to them in the classroom. So first and foremost, do some research on the different generations. And if you'd like to listen to episode 46, where I go through some of the research on these generations, some of my own thoughts, and some of the conversations I've had with these kids, I think that's a good place to start. The other thing I think we have to understand is the generation of the parents. Most parents are my generation right now. I'm a generation X. I'm 41 years old. I'm right. I'm the kind of the beginning, I guess, or the end of generation X. Um, actually the end of generation X seeing that the millennial generation really starts right now around age 35, 36. So I'm within that like four or five year gap that there's always an overlap of generations. And I think, The issue is, is that my generation, these generation Xers, if you have parents between the ages of, you know, 35 to 55, if that's your parent generation, which is the majority of of parents who have kids, especially in high school right now, you have to understand that we grew up through the technology, not with the technology. Let me say that again. We grew up through the technology shift, not with the technology shift. We, our generation is the generation that can remember a time without technology and grew up through this technological shift. So we can remember being in kindergarten or second grade or fifth grade or junior high, and there was no tech, right? I remember the first time, like I think I was in seventh grade, we would go in before school and play Oregon Trail and build things in logo. I mean, that was, I, I grew up going through this shift of technology coming into society and also coming into schools, right? So our parents remember that. That's what our parents remember. And kids today are growing up where the average child in a Western society is touching a connected device for the first time at age two. That's Pew Research Grant, right? Two, age two, that's completely different than, than our generation. If they're, gener- if they're millennials, so if you're talking kindergarten, first, second grade, probably their parents are probably more of a millennial generation. They might have a little different understanding. They are the Facebook, right? They actually had Facebook in high school. They don't have an AOL email account because we've moved on from AOL at that point in time. We have to understand that our parents grew up at a different time. And even though it doesn't seem that far, it has been a massive shift, not just in education, but in society at large. And if we're not willing to take a step back and look at the changes that parents have had to put up with, the changes that students are going through That we as society have made, we're not going to be able to engage parents in a conversation of helping them understand kids today. That's the first part. The second part then is we have to start thinking about why are we giving kids devices? And we have to be able to tell parents why it is so important that we believe every child should have a device. If you're going one-to-one or even if you have a cart that you share between two or three classrooms so critical that you are able to explain to parents what the power of that device is and what that expectation of that device is. And here's one of the things I'd love to do with parent sessions is we have to, again, take that step back and we have to reflect on our own use. We need to understand that all of these devices, I don't care if it's a Chromebook, I don't care if it's a phone, I don't care if it's a full-blown laptop, They are all made to communicate. These devices were made to connect people. And if we are trying to constantly battle what the foundation of these devices were made to do, we are not going to win. You start looking at most of the complaints we get from parents, most of the complaints we get from teachers. The complaints at large are that kids are always on their devices, whether it's in social media. Social media is the way we communicate. Email, the way we communicate. Skype, FaceTime, the way we communicate. Here's a little something that I like to do with parents. And I'm going to do this right now live on the air, even though you can't see it, I guess, as I'm recording. I'll ask parents or ask teachers too when teachers, when I'm doing teacher trainings, I ask them to pick up their phone. And if you pick up your phone, if you're driving, don't do it now, you'll have to do this later. But if you pick up your phone and just look at your home screen, don't go anywhere else, just look at the home screen, what percentage of the apps on your home screen are there for communication purposes? What percentage of the apps? Because we know the home screen is where we use our most frequent apps. This is where we live on our home screen. So as I look at my home screen, I have my first app is the Google pay app because I use my phone to tap and pay a lot. So that's on my home screen. So I can quickly get to that. Other than that, I've got uh, my email. I've got the Gmail app. I've got WhatsApp and I've got my text messaging. Those are all within reach of my thumb. Next to that, I've got Chrome, I've got the camera, and I've got Spotify, right? So that's kind of my main apps that aren't in folders. So if I'm just looking at this, I'm running at least 50% right now of the apps on my home screen that are one touch away that are made to communicate. Now, if I go into the folders, so I've got on my Pixel XL, I've got five folders across the bottom, And I've broken them up for me. The way I organize them is I've got one that's for in the car. So even in the car, I've got Waze, which is a communication app between me and other drivers. I've got Audible, where I get to listen. It's a communication app between me and books, right? Authors of books reading to me. I have my Play Music, which is where I listen to podcasts. I've got two other podcasts in here, and then I've got the Starbucks app because I'm usually stopping at Starbucks when I'm in the car. The next one over is things at home. And the things at home actually are, there's no communication devices in here. Actually, that's quite interesting. Everything has to do with running my home from uh, Google Home to my flight tracker radar. And because I see the ships in the canal, uh, I have, you know, the traffic, maritime traffic, but not a whole lot in that folder. If I go to my Google folder, everything right? From slides and sheets to Google Drive to Google Keep where I share and communicate with my wife on things we need to do. Um, We have all kinds of lists in there. My calendar that is shared with everybody. It's all about communication. Next one, of course, is my social. Everything in here. Google Plus, Twitter, Flipboard, LinkedIn, Periscope, Instagram, Facebook, Nuzzle. That entire folder is full of uh, communication apps. And the last one is my work folder, which I have Slack and I have Facebook manager and I have Asana where we uh, check off in project management. I've got Jamboard, which is Google's new app, where it's like a, a collaborative whiteboard. If I take all of those apps together, I am running somewhere around almost 85% of the apps on my home screen were made to communicate. And I have a feeling when you do this, you probably come up above 70%. You see, this is the thing these devices are made to communicate. When you're on a laptop, what are you doing most of the time on a laptop? I bet number one, you find yourself an email. That's communication. Number two, you might be watching videos on YouTube. That's communication. Somebody else made content and is communicating that content to you, right? We have to understand that these devices are made to knock down walls, open doors, and communicate with each other. And if we continually try to block that, we are going to be in a losing battle. If we are trying, this is the part that frustrates me. We give kids one-to-one devices, or we put a laptop cart in a classroom, and then we force students to consume with those devices. We force them to like, oh, go and research. And when we create, you know, we're going to create an essay. I mean, not create something really powerful. We're going to create an essay for class. And yet, the number one thing we do in society, the way this generation has been raised, the way they see their parents use their phones and technology at large is to communicate. And then it's all that we complain about they're doing, and it's all that parents complain about that kids are doing. I just find it so fascinating, you know? It's just, I don't know. We have to come to an understanding that communication is what these tools are for, which then leads you to what you have to do, right? You can, it's, it's, it's very simple to me. And I say this, this is, you know, my line when I'm talking with administrators, is very simple. You have a choice. It is a very easy choice. Every school has a choice. And that choice is you can choose to block all of these apps and you end up playing what I call whack-a-mole. If you ever remember the game whack-a-mole where you're just like trying to beat the moles as they you know, pop up out of the thing, that's what it happens. You try to block all these communication apps. The kids are constantly trying to find a way around it because they understand that these Devices were made to communicate, and they are not going to sit by and not communicate with the devices. They're just not. If you don't want that, then get rid of all technology. Fair enough. Get rid of all technology if you don't want kids to communicate. Then you have chosen the wrong tool by connecting kids to the Wi Fi and the internet. That's the thing. So you have a choice. Very easy. You either block and play whack a mole. And we all know that students will win. I, not a school I've gone to is like, oh, you block everything. How's that going for you? Like the students, you, you block everything. And they're like, well, we're constantly trying to figure out the next VPN or where kids are going or what's going on, right? So you don't win. Or your other choice is you choose to educate. You choose to educate staff, you choose to educate students, you choose to educate parents and your community at large. That's the choice. Are you going to be a district that blocks? or a district that educates, and the education is tough, right? You can hold parent nights, and you know the parents that really need to hear the messages are not the parents that are going to come. That doesn't mean you give up. You've got to find a way to continue the message. If you think you're going to have a parent night sometime in the fall, and that's all you need to do, good luck with that. This is a constant, evolving conversation, because we are changing mindsets. And mindsets do not change... In a one-off PD session. I don't care if it's a parent, a teacher, or a kid. You cannot change the mindset of our understanding and belief of what these tools do and the true power of these tools in a one-off, one-hour, two-hour session with parents. It just doesn't work. You have to continually have the conversations and build that support with parents, with your community. We have to help each other see that the way we use technology outside of school is completely different than our expectations inside of school. And you try to tell me that you're gonna teach a 10, 11, or 12-year-old that, hey, when you're at home, you know, your mom and dad get to Facebook and you get to you get to go, you know, play your baseball game or you're at a softball game, and mom and dad are taking photos and videos of you all the time and posting them on the internet, and that's okay. But when you're in school and when you have your own device, we don't want you to do that. Good luck with that. Good luck with that. All right. We're just, we're in a different place. And we have to understand that this isn't going to go away. I am getting asked more and more, and I love doing it, supporting school districts with their parent community. And there's a lot of different ways you can do that. Uh, We can partner with PTAs. Uh, That's a great way I've found is because you get a a heart, you know, PTA parents are passionate parents about their school. If you can get a system set up, like you come in, I can come in three or four times and work with the PTA of a school. We have an ongoing conversation. That message spreads. We start to understand this generation. We start to understand how we can engage kids in a conversation about their technology use and not just block it. We have to have the conversation. And it has to start somewhere and it has to start with us in education. We are under extreme pressure right now in the education field because for the first time in a long time, we have to educate everyone, everyone. We have to educate teachers. We have to educate all the administrators because they don't remember growing up this way and it's changed, right? Teaching and learning has changed. If you've given kids, every kid in your school has a laptop and a one-to-one program Everything should have changed. And if it didn't, you're not doing something right. It had to. It had to change. You gave a powerful connection to every single kid. I hope that classroom management changed. I hope the way you evaluate teachers changed. I hope your expectations for students changed. And if they didn't, we've got a problem. If you want to find more information and places to get started, we are very passionate about this at Eduro Learning. We've got a whole section of our website dedicated to helping parents. If you go to edurolearning.com/parents or just go to edurolearning it's e d u r o learning.com, you'll see the parent link at the top. We have free PDFs to get you started with the conversations. We've got some that are $1.99, $3.99. We've got an entire ebook that we produced for schools to get started with these conversations with parents. And then if you really want to go deep, we've actually got six courses that we have created that schools and parents can use together to learn and start these conversations around parenting in the digital age. And it's different. And I feel for parents because no, you have nothing to go on. No parent before you had to do this. You were the first parents that have had to parent a digital generation. There is no guidebook for this. We're making it up as we go along. And it's tough. But we have to have the conversations. And if we're not willing to have the conversations, we are setting ourselves up for failure. We can't just keep blocking and pretend it's going to go away. We can't keep thinking that that one day the kids will stop bullying each other. We can't think that sending a counselor in or having our librarian doing a, you know, digital citizenship lesson once a week in a 45-minute session covers, you know, it checks the box, but it's not going to change anything. Not unless we're willing to take the really hard look of how our world has changed. And if we're not willing to take a step back and look how we have changed as a global society and our use of technology within that, then I'm really scared. We have to do better. We have to start the conversation. We have to stop blocking, and we have to start educating. Until next time, we'll see you on the network.